We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast with myself, Mark Crossfield, Lou Stagner, and Scott Fawcett. We've had an amazing week in golf this week on social and in the news. So we're going to talk about some of the ideas that have come about this week. One of them being that strokes gained has been declared as pointless and useless, which we'll discuss. That should be fun. And the other one being that pro golfers in a major might be able to use range finders. Should be a fun one. Lou and Scott, welcome. How are we doing? Range finders and strokes gains, useless. An interesting week. How are you both doing? Are you all, are you all bearing up over there? I'm freezing cold. It's cold in Dallas. Oh, cold. You want <laughs> cold? We're minus seven today. What are you? What's cold for you in Dallas? It's about 20 out there. I yeah. mean, I, I, oh, I, was wow. speaking, I was speaking to Derek Ingram last night with Canada. I was like, what is it there? And he said, minus 52. I'm like, yeah. you have to be kidding yeah. me. Yeah, cold in Dallas. I'll ignore that statement. Lou, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. Looking forward to this chat. Should be fun. Okay, so let's kick it off. Strokes gained has been declared as useless by a PGA champion. He's a major winner, Steve Elkinson, I think, in some kind of show. I didn't really follow what the show was. I think it's a podcast or maybe a video. Was declaring that strokes gained is useless and rubbish, pointless, rubbish, yeah, and not used. Pros don't use it. Um, and then the fellow presenters seem to obviously seem to go along and agree and what have you, which often happens in those things, because obviously you've got a PGA, a major winner telling you something. And if you're not particularly that confident with your own golf knowledge, you might just nod your head. I mean, if an NBA star told me something and I don't particularly understand the NBA yet as a new fan, I probably would nod my head also. So I'm not really putting any blames out there. It was more just quite an interesting conversation to hear. So who wants to kick this off? Um, Scott, I know you think strokes gains is, is, is rubbish and useless. Do you, do you want to try? <laughs> you, do you just, want to go through what strokes gained is maybe to kick us off a little that's quick a good idea. explanation? So on the PGA Tour, the make rate from eight feet is 50-50, meaning it then obviously takes one and a half strokes on average to hole out. So the old putts per green and regulation, total putts, like that has so much bearing on how long the first putt was, how many greens and regulation you hit. It's just, it's, they're, they're totally useless, essentially. Strokes gained putting does take into account how long the putt is. So again, an eight foot putt has an average strokes to hole out of one and a half. Well, obviously you can't hit the ball one and a half times. So if you have an eight foot putt and you make it, you have moved the ball one and a half strokes closer to the hole in one stroke, effectively gaining a half a stroke. If you two putt it, you've moved it one and a half strokes closer to the hole in two strokes, effectively losing a half a stroke. God forbid you three putt it, you lose one and a half strokes. And, you know, Elkington does make a correct point in his initial tirade of all six putts, putts aren't created equal and it doesn't control for that. Well, over the course of a season, that all pretty much, you know, works itself out. But what's just so interesting about his, you know, his statements is he, he kind of like flies it like a badge of honor saying we're the only company that doesn't use strokes gain because we're smarter than all of you guys. And we figured out the aha flaw. It's it's flawed. And it's like, well, the Z coordinate, it's an X, Y, Z coordinate. The Z coordinate is an elevation metric and smart guys like Lou know how to use those Z coordinates and then plot out with trigonometry, 
the slope. I mean, Luke could basically make a green book out of an Excel spreadsheet just because of the data points. And one thing that I always tell people, and this is, it's, it's half sarcastic, it's half not, just because you don't know how to do something doesn't mean it can't be done. And that's just what's funny is, is Elk for sure thinks he's outsmarted everyone with the, the way he's kind of cynically talking about how they're the only company that doesn't use strokes gained because it's all rubbish. I mean, it came out of MIT. Those guys don't know what the heck they're doing with numbers. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a shot. I mean, in 2011, or excuse me, 2021, I looked at the date, it's the 11th. In 2021, to not have an understanding of what strokes gained is is I'm not going to say it's inexcusable because again, at the end of the day, who cares? But if you're in the golf business and you're telling people how to score and you've got, a, you know, it's a secret, it's a secret what the PGA tour players do. Well, if you don't use the metrics, how the heck do you know what they're doing? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So just, just a point there then. So he does go on to mention, like you say, he mentions that all, not all strokes gains are equal. Um, surely that depends if you look at them as one shot rather than a whole season of shots, isn't it? Like, so I do see them as equal, as in you're, they're going to play out over time to average out at what that proximity average is. Is that not the, fair? The easiest way to think about the flaws in it is if you had somebody who was by far just 10 times the best putter in the world, greatest putter that's ever walked the planet, but he holed out every single shot for an entire season – he would be a zero strokes gain putter. Obviously that's not going to happen, but that he would effectively be, even though he's the greatest putter that's ever walked the planet, he would be a zero strokes gain putter. So yes, that it is, it, it potentially has a flaw. And Elk's point is not all six footers are created equal. Some are, you know, right to left, some are left to right, some are uphill, some are downhill. And it's interesting because I would actually like to ask Elk, do you know which one of those is actually the harder putt? Because it's not exactly intuitive which one is the hardest putt. Yeah, absolutely. Lou, strokes gained, mate. You've been getting it wrong. Come on. I'm completely wrong. <laughs> um, so I, I will say that strokes gain does have some flaws. Yeah. Um, it, it absolutely does. But it has advanced our knowledge of performance significantly. And even though it does have flaws, it does not mean it's useless. There's a significant amount of value to be gleaned from strokes gain data in understanding the different components of the golf game for a player and understanding where their strengths or weaknesses are. Now there's ways where we can overcome some of those flaws and, and there are flaws that exist beyond putting. So, you know, not every six foot putt is the same. I, I agree. Well, not every uh, 15 yard chip shot is the same, uh, but in strokes gained it is. So if you have a 15 yard chip shot and you are extremely short-sighted, that is a, a much more difficult shot than if you have a 15-yard chip and you're a yard off the green and, and you can hit a little bump and run where you have 14 yards of green to work with. Those are wildly different shots with, in respect to level of difficulty, but strokes gained, gained treats them the same. Now, there's ways where we can, uh, we can account for that, and we do. And, and so when we're looking at, at uh, shots around the green, we take into account how much green a player has to work with. That, is the, that has the biggest impact on the level of difficulty. Uh, and so while strokes gained is flawed, even if you just use how it works out of the box and the numbers that are provided out of the box, it, it does, does give you a significant amount of insight. And as far as saying that everything kind of equals out over the course of a season. Um, like I've heard people around, you know, strokes gained um, approach and strokes gained around the green talking about this short sighting concept and, and how, well, it's, it's going to even out over the year. Well, that's not true. You know, there's some players that are more aggressive and they are going to short side themselves a lot more. Uh, and so it, it won't necessarily even out over the year. And, you know, the opposite is true. There's some players that are not aggressive enough and they long side it way too much. And, and so we can understand that by looking at the data, it doesn't even out. And, and when people say that I bring up, um, you know, just the simple example of 
in a tournament, someone's going to win the tournament this week. And one of the things we might talk about is, well, that person, you know, they hit 70 of 72 greens this week. And are they going to hit 70 of 72 greens all year long? No, it's going to even out and they're going to hit, you know, 65% of their greens over the course of a season. But depending on how they perform on a, in a given week, you know, hitting 70 greens is probably a lot better for, for how you're going to perform in that event than hitting 30 greens. And I would say the same is true of how often you're short side it. So when you have an event where you short side it, you know, you miss 20 greens and you short side it every time, you're probably not going to top 10 that week. And so that's kind of my long winded answer with some of the issues with strokes gain, but because those issues exist, we shouldn't ignore strokes gain that that would be completely foolish. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I want to make one point real quick because I want to make sure that the the average player that's listening doesn't just tune out because this is PGA Tour strokes gained. There is so much underlying psychology going on once you understand strokes gain. Again, as always, I'm a total lunatic on the golf course or was. Now I'm not because of understanding the expectations. But back to that eight-foot putt being 50-50, if you miss an eight-foot putt, if I missed an eight-foot putt, I would typically go ballistic. How do you, uh, how do you miss something like that? But if you had a coin flip and we're just guessing heads or tails and you guessed it wrong, you would never question, God, why didn't you go with heads? Why you, You're the worst coin flipper guesser ever. Like understanding these actual numbers and the fact that even from four feet, which is actually three feet, one inch through four feet, the make rate's only 75%. Like that's, or excuse me, that's five feet. That's just not that mind boggling. And just understanding it's okay to miss these shots. You want to curtail taking that, you know, negative emotion forward because that's where you wind up imploding your rounds. So there is a lot to glean from strokes gain from a psychology perspective. Yeah, totally. And to your point, Lou, just quickly, you to the first point where if you are that player who short sights your, or short sides your chip shots, your approach shots each time, surely where you say it doesn't work, well, it actually does if you think about it, doesn't it? Because what strokes gain would allow that player to do if they dug and scratched a little hard enough is that they would see that they're losing shots chipping and they could look at it one dimensionally I need to improve my chipping or they could then take one step back and go well actually I'm losing strokes against the field on my short game on my chipping because of where I'm missing so the strokes game surely is actually allowing them to really look a little deeper into their game. Yes or no? No, it does allow them to look deeper, but what it does is it can take two golfers and they're both 170 yards in the fairway. And one of them, they both hit it to 20 yards and one of them short sides it and one of them long sides it. They both miss the green. When you look at strokes gained approach, it's going to look like they had the same exact strokes gained approach. It's going to look identical. And let's say every single hole that they played, they did the exact same thing. They both end up 170 yards in the fairway. They both miss the green and they both have, what did I say? 20 yards. They're both 20 mm -hmm. yards in the rough from the hole. Their strokes gained approach is going to be identical. And the reality is that the player that short-sided it, they hit a much worse approach shot. The player that long-sided it hit a much better approach shot. And so you have to get a little nuanced when you're looking at this so you can understand um, because you can artificially inflate your strokes gained approach. You can artificially deflate your strokes gained approach. And the same thing with around the green, right? You have to, um, you, you can make strokes gain better by taking that into account and making those adjustments, which is something Scott and I do. The, the same thing, the same thing with off the tee, because you could hit it in the trees and hit the most ridiculous recovery shot ever. And shot link will assume you actually hit a much better drive than you actually did simply because you threaded the needle on your, your recovery yeah, yeah, shot. Yeah. So, but, but back yeah. to your point there with the two recoveries, I understand that the, no, sorry, not the recoveries, the approach shots, Lou, being the same, even though one's in a nasty spot and one's in an easier spot, that their strokes gained is still going to show a hole in the short game because player A who was in the easiest spot has up and downed it and player B who hasn't, hasn't up and downed it. 
that will then allow that player to maybe remove a little bit of emotion, step back in their round and go, look, well, why didn't I up down it? Do I need to go and practice that shot more or should I have not missed that? Um, shot in that position obviously if you're looking at your strokes gained at the end of the season that might be a little bit harder but after each round or in a tournament it, it actually would allow you to see where your holes are if you don't just look at the data as two-dimensional you have to dig a little bit deeper under the under the data to understand why you didn't up and down as much as the other player uh, yes. Um, so yes, strokes I, gained has that flaw, but it also has that advantage to allow you to capture that in a non-emotional way to then start thinking, right, now look, my short game is costing me on these occasions. Why is that? I, I want to I go back to what Scott said about, um, about psychology. And so one of the things I think it's really important uh, for all players is to understand strokes gained and understand um, how they're performing against whatever their, their baseline is, right? So if you, if you are a 12 handicap, you're not going to baseline yourself against PGA Tour strokes gained. There's ways for you to do that at your own level. And it's important for you to know that and understand that because to, to Scott's point about psychology, like I was talking with a player not that long ago, a few months ago, and this player was under the opinion that his wedge game was horrible and we actually looked at some of the strokes gain numbers and his wedge game was actually pretty good but what was happening was this player had some warped expectation around how he should be hitting his wedges um, he was actually hitting his wedges pretty good um, but because he thought he was not playing well with his wedges, it was actually impacting his game. So not having a true understanding of what the expectations should be or could be uh, based on your skill level can impact your game in a negative way. And, and, and knowing that, uh, you know, I'm going to miss half my putts from eight feet. Um, if you know that, um, that's not going to send you off the deep end uh, and end up in a spot where, you know, you miss a few eight footers. Well, it's just going to happen um, over the course of the season. You're going to make about 50 percent, but you're going to have a round where you, where you miss four of them in a row. Going on that exact same idea, though, about what is good and what is bad, you know, people think that I just troll Twitter all day long looking for stuff to argue about. I actually do pass on quite a bit. <laughs> and it was a couple of weeks ago, the secret golf guys had Pat Perez on. And he was talking about how, you know, to get good at golf, you just need to be spending all of your time inside a hundred yards, something like that. I tried to go back and find it and couldn't find it, but it didn't make it. It's just wrong. But as I was listening to it, I'm like, I just, I can't believe this is coming out of a PGA tours player's mouth. Who's made $27 million on tour. Pat's really good at golf, but then hearing Elkington in their opinion of, you know, strokes gained, it's like, oh, you're probably not even looking at the strokes gained data. And and back to kind of the flaw, when Doc Redman, who, you know, was the 2017 US Amateur Champion, when he was first using his sponsor's invites on the PGA Tour, he was kind of struggling. He asked me to come caddy for him one event, so I did. And in the first round, I think he shot like 68 or something like that. But in on the last three holes, he hit three just horrendous chip shots in a row. They were the most basic bump and run from 20 feet chip shots possible. And then he made three straight eight, 10 and 12 foot putts. And we finished and we're on the range and he's like, what were my strokes gained here today? And I, you know, uh, around the green. And I said, you know, you're minus like two and a half. He's like, Oh man, if I just clean up my chipping, I shoot 65 today. I'm like, well, no, because if you hit chipped it to a foot, then you don't gain those strokes with the putting. So the categories can kind of take from each other a little bit in that specific example. So he, if he had hit great chip shots, he would have gained with the chipping instead of the putting that he gained with it technically would have been the same because on all three circumstances, he used two strokes to hole out. He just did that in vastly different ways. So again, it, you have to be able to understand what you're looking for, which requires a, you know, a lot of effort, but once you know what you're looking for, it, it can be pretty good, Lou. It's not flawed. Yeah, I mean, that, but, well, you need a baseline. <laughs> Rubbish. Yeah, yeah. But you need that baseline, don't you, to actually yeah. move forward. Like if we go from, I mean, we're talking, if we take strokes gained away, we're talking fairways hit and greens and regulation and number of putts. Like there's no in-between, is there? Like it went from nothing to strokes gained. Like strokes gained isn't finished. It, it's not finished. It, it will keep developing. And there are systems out there already decade i'm sure being one of them that allows you to use the idea of strokes gain and then build on it to make sure you are trying to learn the connection between each shot and that's the thing and i think scott makes a really good point there you've got to understand 
the connection between each shot as well as just look at the individual shots, which again was where for me, Elkington was making some good points, but also some slightly flawed points and then just isolating Elkington didn't shot. make a single good point. Yeah, well, he, well that's not fair because he said strokes know, game kidding. doesn't work and what have you. And I mean, there's part of you guys discussing here that it does have flaws and agreeing with his point. So I, I, <laughs> I get what you're saying, but in his defense, he actually made some points that create some interesting discussion. Luke, he just didn't know how to work around it. Yeah, Lou. So somebody asked me a, a while ago to to explain the difference to them between all the old traditional golf stats and strokes gained. And this was the analogy that I gave them. The old, the old stats that we used, fairways head, putts per green and rag, all of those things. I described that as like, um, you know, you have a 20 mile trip to work and you're, you, you have to ride a horse every day. You ride a horse to work. And strokes gained is, is now a car, right? So now you have a car. And instead of having to ride a horse every day to work, now, now you drive a car. It, it might not be a, you know, a, a, a $200,000 Maserati, but you have a nice family sedan that's reliable and does you know, 60 miles an hour on the, on the highway. And it gets you to work in 20 minutes, as opposed to the horse, which, you know, it's a four hour trip and you're, you know, need, you need to rest when you get to work because you're sore for riding a horse for 20, 20 miles. So that strokes gained is not perfect, but it's way better than riding a horse to work. <laughs> that, that's yeah, reasonable. Absolutely. And we're still working yeah. towards an Uber that goes 200 miles an hour and just shows up at your doorstep, which is, you know, eventually going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then another point made was that tour pros don't use strokes gained, which I thought was quite strange because I know plenty huh? of tour pros. <laughs> well, that's just, I mean, that's literally just a ridiculous statement. And I also know, but I, I do know tour pros who don't look at their strokes gained and I've talked to them about strokes gained and they giggle about it because they also don't have an understanding of it as well feel that they're good enough and don't need to look that way but to say that pros don't use it as a blanket statement i found was slightly well, i just thought that was really interesting that, that he well, apparently secret that, golf right? customers don't use strokes gain because i can assure you there's not a single conversation i have with a tour player that doesn't involve strokes gained to some degree yeah, it's, I mean, absolutely. it's the backbone of everything. And then the other thing, I mean, uh, the, the backbone of everything there is kind of the point I'm trying to make there with Lou, who seems to have now become Strokes King's biggest <laughs> enemy as well. So put some doubt <laughs> that on, can you? <laughs> Just rant in the corner yeah. there. Um, because it's also as well what's interesting with Strokes Gain when people say, do pros use it or not? I always think, well, tour pros are it. Like it, it, they've got no choice if they use it. If they hit a shot in an event, they are taking part in it. They are building it. They are adding themselves to the average. If I go on tour tomorrow and I turn into Happy Gilmore, I just hole every shot. Doesn't matter how far away I am, I just hole everything. But you know, six hundred yard par five, bang, hit it, goes in. I'm going to affect those numbers, aren't I? I'm, ex I'm going to, I'm going to be. I'm going to be changing how the data and how the rest of the field then look at the game and what they need to work on to say if they use it or not. I just thought was strange because just by playing in the event, by definition, if they choose to look at it or not is different. That's like a slightly different way, but they're all part of it that they're all creating it with every shot they hit. Are they not? Well, I, I can promise you they're using it, right? I, I have, I yeah, have I directly that. myself given information that is used. So, and it's, it's strokes gain centered for the most part. So they are using it. And hang you know, on, here, hang here's, on, hang here's, on. Sorry hold on. to interrupt. No, you, but how many majors have you won? Zero. I haven't won any. <laughs> I played in one. I played Turn his mic off. Turn his mic off. I Come on, Lou. Sorry. <laughs> and so I haven't even won a club championship. So oh, I'm, get, I'm take way that mic out of his hand. Take that mic out of that yeah. man's hand. <laughs> Go on, Lou. I interrupted. What were you going to say there? Have I, have you, can you remember or not? You got me off track. You, yeah, you, I know. you got me wallowing in the sorrow that I haven't won anything meaningful golf related. Have you played in, in the championship flight career. of your club championship? Um, I so my club championship story, and I'll tell tell this oh, briefly. Hang so on. yeah, I got. I'm going to tell it briefly. That. Let's talk about Lou. <laughs> Such so, an amateur trait that. Let's I talk had, about me. I had the opportunity. So there's a guy at the club that I played at and he was a former D one player. He won every year. His name's on the board, you know, 25 straight years. And I had an opportunity one year. I was up a, a few shots with 
three hole, three holes to go. And I get to the last hole, which is a par three at this club. And I'm tied for the lead at this point. It's about 170 yards. There's people all around the green. There's water up front. It was kind of between clubs for me. I wasn't nervous, but I wasn't sure what club I was going to hit. There's OB long OB left. And I stand up there and I just flat out hit it on the hosel. I mean, hosled it 45 degrees, right? It just barely dribbled into the water. It wasn't like even went into the water with any kind of force. It dribbles into the water. And I, and I do this in front of, you know, the entire club basically. And I wanted to crawl into a hole and never come out. <laughs> there so, you go. A little, little interjection. There I bet Elkington's never done that. So yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. So what was I talking about before? So I was saying, I was saying that um, he says, obviously, tour pros don't use it. And I'm saying, well, actually, they all are part of it, aren't they? A, I know they use it. But B, also, as soon as you hit a shot in a tour event, you are part of that. I I remember what I... I remember what I also wanted to say. Think about Justin Thomas, right? What is Justin Thomas? He didn't do it this year, but what has he been doing every single year? At the end of the season, he shows his goals. And every single year that he's made his goals public, um, strokes gained is, is part of there, right? He's had two or three uh, goals for the season that are centered around strokes gain being some of his goals. So to say that they don't use it and it's rubbish is it's just a false statement. It's not yeah. true. Well, I mean, in the, in the last, in the last three years, I've probably had initial conversations with at least 40 PGA tour players and a hundred percent of those conversations have involved stroke gain. So sorry, that's just a silly statement. It's really not even worth justifying with more conversation. It's almost like one of those statements to then back up the other point that you're making. Like it doesn't matter if it's true or not. I'm just going to throw it out there because it does back up my narrative, which I think is a real shame really. Cause like surely you've got, you know, you're a PGA champion. You must have some really good things to say. Let's not make things up just to, you know, help. I think it's just part of an appeal to authority framework of an argument. So he can say like, I don't need that because I know everything about golf already. Like that's in my opinion, what's kind of happening there. Yeah. Well, what I didn't understand just because I, I'm not a massive follower of Elkington and obviously I I've heard people mention his name, but I've never really, like I literally, no offense to the guy and I admire his abilities as a player, but like, I'm not sorting out his voice in golf. Um, when I first watched the, what you commented on, actually, Scott, is how it got on my line. <laughs> I actually thought it was a joke at the start. I thought it was like a Ricky Gervais sketch. I thought it was someone doing... Especially because like the like hat he's wearing. Shack. Yeah, the, it looked like a Caddyshack <laughs> kind of... And then I watched it again and thought, this isn't a joke, is it? This is like, this is a serious conversation. So it did kind of throw me at the start. I honestly thought... Like if you sketch that out, it, it would be it would have been quite a good. It would be a hell of a troll on me. It was kind of a bit of a caricature moment for me. It was strange. Well, so, as, as I was explaining it to my girlfriend last night, I was like, "These people recorded. I don't know how long their show is. Like you say, I don't know if that's a podcast or a daily show. I really don't know what that was on. Mm. But out of however long that show was, they chose this one minute clip, and they're like, "This is gold. This is what's going to separate us and get people to want to tune in." Because even in their tweet, they. <laughs> Quote, all strokes gained in all caps aren't created equal. Read that again. This is why we never use strokes gained stats in our analysis. X, tour players don't use it and neither do we. And I'm like, out of your entire conversation, this was the piece you wanted to promote. And if you actually go to that tweet, it's really funny because it has been retweeted with comment 49 times. And 100% of the 49s are like, Oh, you got to be kidding me, man. This is the single dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, okay, I, I kind of started an avalanche here. I didn't mean for them to pile on this hard. But it makes, honestly, it makes me, it does make me happy because I do all my arguing on Twitter. I really am trying to, in, in, you know, educate players to use all of this. You know, I don't even like using the word advanced analytics because it's not very difficult math, Yeah. but I want people to use all of this to shoot lower scores and better and so I am honestly kind of happy that all of the all of the comments in it, all of the quote tweets, everything is 100% you guys have lost your mind. So the general public is seeing it. it and learning it. And that does make me happy. So yeah, I thanks, agree thanks, with that. Steve. I agree. I agree. And I mean, again, I move it. Yeah, absolutely. I move it to my basketball watching that I've just started watching. I've mentioned it before as a real beginner of not understanding the fact that they include stats, the fact that they're telling me they've shot 
five out of 13 attempts and the other team are like 10 out of 17 attempts. And I look at the score and think, well, yeah, there's part of the score. I, I like that. It's allowing me to understand that. Cause I'm not counting how many times they're shooting three pointers. Like, you know, it's, but so that helps me out. So, and I think for golf, it has a real potential if it's done not too intensely to really help people understand what's going on a bit more. And that's again, the baseline that works pretty well for it should we move on i just want to put it out there as well i don't hopefully steve Elkington isn't i like this isn't an attack it's just a difference in opinions and i i mean i i, I he's more than welcome to come on and discuss this point if you i'm happy and I, I i'd be honored to have a pj champion on the podcast i'm sure you guys would and have a grown-up chat about it uh, are you love shaking to. your head there scott are you not i was drinking <laughs> some water oh i'd love to yeah, yeah i don't absolutely. i don't i don't i don't know that it would go well the 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 one girl, um, Diane, she sent me a direct message saying, you know, we'd maybe love to have you on sometime and talk about it. And I was like, you let me know when I'll be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I I've done a podcast with Diane as well. She's lovely, really nice. And um, yeah, again, all the people in it, it's not an attack. It's more, I mean, no. we are being a bit sarky and giggling, but sure. that's kind of what we do about it. I mean, Lou just told us a story about shanking it into the water for crying out loud. we're just mugging about but um definitely the points could make for an interesting jack and and i would learn from steve if he had some good points to make as much as we all would hopefully so he's more than welcome to come on it's not an attack on a uh, a very successful player should we move on should we go to the range finders oh baby we can so range finders have been announced that they're going to be used in the pga just a little point on the pga they do seem to be trying to move that major like that, it, I, what I quite like, and I don't know what your feelings are as an onlooker, because it's certainly out of the four majors, I would say it's fair to say that the PGA is struggling to compete to a certain extent with the other three. Like people may, I don't know what the viewing figures are like compared to say the players championship, for instance. I don't know if that draws a bigger crowd or not. I, I, I'm just kind of rapping, but they do seem to be trying to push that event forward they did go in the uk that event one year was put online it was taken away from terrestrial telly which i thought was really forward thinking i'm not sure it worked for them because the golf audience certainly in the uk is a little bit slippers on turn the telly on and if it's not there they literally like don't know what else to do like they just they, <laughs> they literally like they go to twitter going the golf's not on the golf's on well if you just use that device you'd find it because it's on that device but it's not on twitter. like it, it, they're that basic sometimes but um the use of range finders for the pj a major range finders i mean I, I literally don't care i think Great. We'll see how it goes. Um, thoughts, initial thoughts, range finders for the PGA. Good, bad, ugly. What do you think, Lou? Any thoughts? I have no problem with them. I, I'm, I'm okay if they use them. Uh, I'm sure some players will like to use them and, and will move down that path. And I'm sure there are others that will not choose to use them. Um, I'm okay. Either way, um, I, I don't, uh, I'm not against it in any way, shape or form. So if, if a player feels like it's going to work for them, I say, go for it. Scott? I thought Lou had the funniest tweet ever about it. What was it? <laughs> Lou hitting it, hitting it far and accurate, not a skill. Being able to judge your distance from outside the fairway is a skill. Like it's a pretty funny argument. Now, the one thing that I will say is they tested rangefinders in three or four events on the Corn Ferry Tour a few years ago, and it didn't improve pace of play. I assume an improved pace of play is the only reason that they're trying it. I mean, what else would be the reason? But to me. And it is interesting that the trigonometry, if you're in the left side of the fairway or even left rough and the pin is on the rough, the way it works on tour, the sprinkler heads are all lasered to the front edge of the green. And then the pin sheets are marked straight into the green or, you know, walk straight into the green. So actually the trigonometry, if you're on the left and the pin is on the left, you're actually closer than the math by, you know, potentially a couple yards to the hole than you think you are. And if the pin's on the right side, you're actually a few yards further than you think you are. And that, it's really interesting how, you know, anytime somebody hits a shot close and that situation occurs, I just want to ask them, well, did you adjust a few yards for the, uh, the, the fact that the trigonometry was working against you there? And they're like, well, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, again, you know, winning requires luck, variance within your shot pattern. Variance hit that ball close, not because you pulled the right club, had the right distance and the right wind and hit the right shot. A little Absolutely. bit of luck was involved in that, which honestly, I thought, I don't know if any of you guys saw Brooks on Barstool. This is a derail from the, uh, uh, 
rangefinder thing, but Brooks was on Barstool Sports. It was a great interview, or the, at least the clip that they showed where the guys were asking Brooks, like, they had the shot on 17, tell me about it. And he's like, oh, that was total luck. He said, right where I needed to land the ball were three sprinkler heads. And so I actually had to push where I wanted to land it, not at the hole, not where I wanted to actually land it if I were, you know, air quotes trying to make it. And it took a squirrely kick and went in. And it's like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And, and you know, range finders are all just going to really start to tighten in these little bit of parameters of luck a little bit more here and there. And, and I, it can't make you play slower. There were guys arguing a couple of years ago on the corn ferry that it actually slowed down. Yeah, they're down doing play. that now. There's, there's articles from Caddy saying it will definitely slow down play now. Which people are waiting for the group in front of you to put the pin in the hole before you actually, you know, shoot it. And I'm like, Dude, when I'm at my home course, you can kind of tell where the people are standing close. You shoot one of them, you you start you start thinking, and then you really tighten it in at the last second once you shoot the pin and you're ready to go. It can't it can't make it slower, I wouldn't think. Well, that's yeah. I mean, it's interesting because that it, what the few points for me that I thought was interesting. One point I think that's interesting is the fact that range finders being used on a tour event is classed as i classed it in the intro to this second part as a step forwards like what game are we like it does i mean i posted a tweet today i think saying something like you know pin lifted knee eye drops and now range finders golf is really pushing forward you know it's a it's really like what it's such a non-event surely but golf is so stuck it seems to be an event and i think that's quite interesting in itself like because i literally think i just don't care like i don't care like standard deviation either, yeah. short long left and right average standard deviation on a 180 yard approach shot short long left and right with a tall pro what are we talking left and right seven yards short and long 15 yards like maybe six if they're like on it like just they're not like you say their variance is what's coming out that like it, it's it's their skill plus then the mix of their variance the rangefinder like you said i mean I, I do think it's got the potential to make people in the long run maybe drop one system of measuring and move maybe to another system of measuring so zap the flag and then look at the map to see how far that flag is on so how much of a room have i got to land it and where's the slope starting from rather than do the whole yardage so in theory but if you're talking pace of play i mean we'll get matt um we'll get lou onto the maps at some point uh hazard a guess if it was to save any pace of play we must be talking oh, four minutes per round like i mean it doesn't people, seem like people watching actual... golf on that bigger deadline <laughs> It, it doesn't seem like the actual pacing of getting your distance is what's slowing it down. It's the actual decision-making process that slows everything down. So, yeah, I don't see, I just see this as a non-event. I do think it's interesting. I mean, it's a little bit of forward thinking. Let's try something different. It's, it's funny because one of the main arguments years ago was just, oh, it just looks bad. It looks yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't put them on TV when they're shooting the flag. Like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but how does it look bad? So I had this conversation with a couple of people who don't play golf. So what do you think their take of it was? What do you think people who didn't what play golf? What are you talking about? Well, no, so I explained. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying that's what their, their, yeah, their statement yeah. is to you. What are you talking about? They, they literally are giggling. Yeah. They're literally like, so if you think about that, we can... We can service the golfers that are already playing, you know, the ones who are moaning that it's bad. Like we can look after them because like, are they really going to stop playing or watching because someone's zapping a green or a flag? I would hazard no. Like they've not taken up golf to watch people measure manually. Have they? <laughs> Why do you play golf? Oh, I play it because I love it when they pull those books out of their pocket. And, Back in and, the day, we used to walk it off with a wheel though. By golly, that's the way it should still be. I remember, yeah, absolutely. I remember playing where it was 150-yard markers. I wouldn't even pace it. If I was under par, I'd pace it. If I was over par, I'd just think, ah, oh, it's about 20 yards and hit my five iron. Do you know what I mean? It's literally <laughs> like that. Um, so when you talk to people outside of golf, this whole idea of range finders in any – like, they just can't believe that it's – like, they, 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 they seem to say, well, I thought the skill was actually hitting the ball to a target – you know, like trying to hit it the right distance. I didn't realize the skill was having to guess 
that distance or then in turn have books to find that distance why can't like they just couldn't get it which but I again it's just, it's just it's just more folklore and there's you know some woke-ish type courses that don't have yardages on sprinkler heads you're not supposed to use range finders it's like I can't imagine a more miserable experience playing golf than just like guessing at my yardage all day long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And then the next thing I see it a little bit like, uh, do you remember when the drop changed? So the, I don't know when that was a year ago, whenever it, it was, was. It went, yeah. was it a year ago to knee height. And there was loads of talk about the knee height drop and it was all over social. And I just, like we take the mick out of the knee height drop on our videos because like what? What's that? Was the knee height? Knee height? Have you got any data, Lou, on what the knee height drop has achieved in the last? Um, year? They, they cut thirty minutes off the pace of play. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a very funny story about the knee height drop. <laughs> Go on, does it connect to your story hour? This is a great one. This is beautiful. So I went to a USGA rule seminar, like when that rule went into effect, and at that seminar, when you read the rule book closely uh, and I'm not probably going to get the terminology wrong but it when you you have to grasp the ball and drop it from knee height and what it it doesn't it doesn't specify what you need to hold the ball with uh, it doesn't specify so I I brought aside a couple of the the uh, the, the rules experts that, that were at the USGA and I was like well technically it doesn't tell tell me that I have to hold the ball with my hand when I drop it like so if I want to I can squat down and pinch the ball between my butt cheeks and drop it from there right and they're like well yeah I mean yeah I mean <laughs> whatever I likes your lemon <laughs> so I actually tweeted about that and since so this is really funny I tweeted ab about that and um somebody one of the golf news stories picked it up you can go find the tweet somewhere uh that yeah. story just search that and they picked it up and i could not attend the final day to do the test i i couldn't i had a conflict so i wasn't there the final day for the test but i went there with a buddy of mine who was there and he was like he's like oh he he called me afterwards he's like oh man they called you out um <laughs> like they brought up this whole thing about dropping from your butt cheeks and all that and i thought he was messing with me but he wasn't. He actually recorded the audio and he played it for me. <laughs> and, and the guy who was running the seminar, he went on like a five minute diatribe about how you can't drop with your butt. <laughs> Remember how Ricky Fowler did that? I think it was in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. He simulated it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, Lou, just so I'm clear, you can or you can't drop with your butt cheeks. I, technically, the way the rule book is written, if you want to drop from your butt cheeks, as long as it's at about knee height and you squat down, I think you can. They've oh. actually got it's, – it's actually on page 1496 in the decisions book that you can't do that anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> Dialing us back to being serious um, – I think the the uh, the use of range fighters is just it's symbolic of what golf has been. So one of the you know the, we talk about tradition and golf tradition, and and one of the oldest, if not the oldest, golf tradition is technology has always continued to advance, evolve, change, get better. I mean, old Tom Morris was an apprentice with, um, it was like a Alan Robertson. He was his apprentice and they split their relationship because Robertson was a feathery guy and old Tom was a, a Gouda Percha guy. And they went in completely different directions because uh, Robertson didn't like the the fancy newfangled golf ball. He thought it was, uh, you know, not how the game should be played. But old Tom was kind of breaking the mold and, and advancing technology. And, and it's just been that's been part of the, the, the fabric of golf for hundreds of years as things continue to advance and allowing them to use range finders in an event is just another step on that journey. So question then, will the Open, what, what year will the Open allow range finders? <laughs> uh, never, probably never. If there's the Open, I would think the USGA, the US Open's less likely. Do you? My, I would I would argue that the Open would be the most unlikely. Well, yeah. that and the Masters maybe, but you understand your one more. I mean... The Open just loves its tradition. Like it loves I just because it hold on to I, I don't know much about the RNA except for the fact that the CEO reached out to me one time and was like, hey, I'd like to learn about Decade. And I gave him a free account. And like the guy was, I mean, this was a couple of years ago. He was, you know, I'm curious what you're doing. And it was, you know, pretty impressive to me. And I can assure you, I've never received that phone call from the USGA. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, just, I, I thought that was impressive coming from, it was either the CEO or the president, I remember which one, but it was one of those two. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, that might have been on a personal level. What do you think it was on an RNA level? That he I don't think it was on an RNA level. I think it was just, a, I'm curious what you're doing. I want to learn yeah. how you're yeah. using data to, to do what you're doing. I, yeah, I yeah, really, yeah. like I say, I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I've been to talks with the RNA and, you know, they, they do, they, 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 I'm sure it was on a personal level for that person. I don't want to speak for them, obviously, because I don't know who it was, but they are obviously, they're, they're very, their mission statement is to keep golf, the skill of golf within the golfer. So for it never to become not the golfer's skill that shines through. I mean, that is their mission statement. So in theory, I'm sure there's a personal level. If you do de develop some system that isn't, technically based as in with a piece of hardware that they monitor and it makes people better they want to know because they don't want people getting better falsely they want people getting better more organically or well maybe not getting better a little bit it feels like <laughs> okay well, that's an interesting one thanks for your story today lou that's really lightened up my evening that little one. <laughs> yeah absolutely and if we want if we want to uh, we know, could do a through... full episode maybe on we this should. year's club championship it, yeah if you want to go through i have a laundry list of all of my failures as a golfer so <laughs> yeah, we can absolutely. we can talk about that for, for many episodes so we're gonna let's say so lou just so where do you stand with strokes gain i don't see strokes gain as useless i think it's a really good benchmark i do definitely see that there could be ways of improving it but i see it as stage one in our process of getting better and better with data scott and lou uh, strokes gain useless or not no i think it's incredibly useful and you know brody bringing that to the table you know a decade ish ago now um has fundamentally changed the game and um, there could there be improvements? Yes, but I mean we are we're miles ahead of where we were before before we had stroke skiing. Miles oh, ten ahead. years was it? Ten years ago? Was well, it? I mean they it, started well, no, shot link in two thousand four, but you know Brody didn't really you know it was the end of the the two thousands ish when it started to really come in, into play. So stroke skiing putting was released in two thousand eleven because yeah, when I was looking yeah. back through the two the the poker form that I was talking about with Zal Torres, I kind of live blogged when I was caddying for him when he won the U.S. Junior, and a thread I started in 2011 was titled is is drive for show putt for dough really true and in my original statement in there i said with the new strokes gain putting statistics i could start to combine that's that was kind of the genesis um of of the thoughts of creating decade was like wow if that's available i can start to quantify different targets and and how many strokes it takes to hole out in different areas and it's i mean again it's just a total shift from Again, putts per green and regulation is... Yeah. Well, there was nothing there before, was there? Really? Yeah. Nothing usable. I mean, it, it was that's where I think as well. That's why I think it's 10 years old. So we're actually quite slow on the uptake of strokes gained, if you think about it. Like it's still... I talk about it loads on social and in our videos, and it's still a really new concept to lots of people, which I just think, wow, like this isn't new. It's amazing how well, resilient golf is to change and development, isn't the, it? The key to anything smart is how simple do you make it? And at the end of the day, Mark Brody did an amazing job of taking a pretty advanced idea and dumbing it down to where I can explain it to you in 30 seconds, like I did to start this podcast. Yeah. That's really impressive, especially considering it is just better. Back to like fairways hit. If if, if you're telling me that you hit 52% of fairways, I got to hit more fairways. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, You exactly. might be number one in the world. DJ was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely. need more information. Fairways hit tells me in isolation, essentially nothing about how you drive the golf ball. I, I think that's, you know, that brings up a point. So uh, there's so many that still do not understand strokes gained and, and what it is and what it means and how it works and how it can be used. And they think of golf performance in terms of these statistics that we had pre-strokes gained. So they t think in terms of fairways hit, greens hit, putts per green and rag. And what that does is it, it um, they are understanding the game in a very limited fashion. And I think that contributes to how they think about like the distance debate. And I don't want to turn this into a distance debate discussion, but you, you, you have people that will point out and say, well, they hit less fairways now than they used to. 
And well, they hit less fairways than, than they did in the nineties, but it's probably, it's pretty similar to it was what in the early eighties. Uh, but we understand distance now in a way that we didn't understand in 1985. And so just simply going out and saying, well, that person hit more fairways that should, they should be rewarded more. That's not how it works. And strokes gain taught us that, but not everyone has, has gotten on board with that and understands that. Yeah, absolutely. And now that's what I think is really funny as well, because there is that kind of um, there's almost that idea that it didn't exist. Because obviously strokes gained existed as soon as one person hit a golf ball and then follow as soon as the second person hit a golf ball, strokes gained did exist. We just didn't know it existed because sure, that sure. person was trying to gain against the other person. Like it just that's what I always think is really interesting. Oh, Nicholas didn't need strokes gained. Hogan didn't need strokes gained. Well, he did need to gain on his field. He chose or no one decided to work out why he's gaining on his field. Or like we've kind of hinted at, I think just before we started filming, even if let's say Tiger didn't use strokes gained, as in he didn't use the numbers, he would have been quite aware what his skill set was that was making him rise above the field that he played against. He might not have been able to dial it down to 0.75 of a shot in this, but he would have had a good awareness of where his skills were. Strokes gained has, has been there. Well, a player has tried to gain on another player as soon as two players ever hit a round ball towards a hole in competition against each other. It's just, we didn't choose to look for it. Like that's what I always think is interesting. Like it's a new thing. <laughs> gaining on someone i mean I, I when i was born i had a brother first thing i tried to do was gain on him because he was older than me and he was already ahead so like what did i start doing like it's, it's just it was, what we it's, do it's back to lou's point about the tour player he's talking about that thought his wedge game was bad it, that potentially probably saved that guy a lot of wasted hours trying to improve his wedge game to instead of making up a number hit it to from 14 feet to 13 feet that's a total waste of time when you could be spending that time somewhere else where your deficiencies actually are. Yeah, That's absolutely. the key to strokes gain. Yes, you can use it strategically, but then also I use it. I honestly use strokes gain more probably to prove to my players. They're not as bad at something as they think they are. Then I use it to prove, Hey, you know, you're, you're, you're great. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's just not that bad, man. Yeah. Okay. So we're happy that strokes gain does work. That's a relief. And then <laughs> 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 range finders were kind of I'm, i'll be honest with you just a roundup point with range finders i was surprised that there were people with such negativity towards it like it actually surprised me that no matter what people suggest there are golfers out there who can just see massive negatives in things that i think uh like that the pga will happen and next year you'll be whinging about something else like it, it's just not going to be a thing and if it is hopefully for the better lou you got you got something to say, or you look like you're poised to tell us another story. No, no, I'm, no. I'm fresh <laughs> out of stories. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That is our take. And as always, out to Mr. Steve Elkington. If you want to come on and discuss these points again, it's not a dig. We we just feel like we have a, maybe a different opinion, stroke understanding of what strokes gave mean, and he's more than welcome to come on the pod. Thank you, guys. As always, that was fun. Yeah, good time, Thank guys. You. And um, as always, remember, if you like the podcast, do leave us a review down there. Give us some stars. And we will look forward to seeing you in the next episode.